Hi, and welcome to this week's podcast, which is a follow-on from last week's podcast, which was all about a modern manager's roles and responsibilities. And one of those is about self-management. In other words, the ability any manager has to manage themselves. And I said that I would return to that particular role and responsibility and use this podcast to elaborate a little further on it. So here are my top 10 tips on self-management. And in the beginning, I'd like to start with pairs. We often have a number of pairs affecting us, uh, some of which should be a choice in any particular situation. And very often, because we don't know about these pairs, can't be a conscious choice. They're just a, a reaction or a habit. So here's the first pair. And at work, we are two selves, an internal self and an external self. The external self is how we behave, the way we interact and react with and to the outside world, including, of course, other people. So our external self is very much focused on behaviours, reactions, responses externally in our world. And, of course, it's that that other people see, our external self the way we behave, our look, our sounds and our acts, our behaviours. But there's also an internal self. The internal self is within us and it's the way in which we feel about things, the way we think about things, the beliefs we have about ourselves and the rest of the world, generally speaking, our drives, desires, motives and emotions. And that's a very strong and very often a dominant part of ourselves. In fact, it's probably fair to say that our internal self, the way we are internally, drives our external self, which is the way we behave externally. But they're separate. And the point I want to make here, really, I think are two points. The first one is we need to separate sometimes the internal and the external self. Although the, the tendency is for our internal self to drive our external selves, there will be times, professionally, when it's not appropriate to let that happen. So we might feel angry. We might feel disrespectful. We might feel upset. But it may not always be, professionally, the wisest thing to behave angrily, to behave uh, upset. It's not appropriate. So we need to exercise what I would call self-control, which I'll come back to later, to separate a negative or an unhelpful internal state from our external reactions and behaviours. The other way in which it's difficult is to remember that our external self is what other people see. Our internal self is entirely private to ourselves. And the two points here are, first of all, other people can't easily tell what we're thinking or feeling. And so sometimes it might simply be a good idea to tell people, not to demonstrate it, but to tell it, to tell somebody that you're feeling angry or upset or confused. In other words, get in touch with your internal state and explain it rather than express it. And the second key point here is to see if you can get in touch with your internal state more frequently and understand what's going on. For many of us, even as experienced managers, we react without being conscious as to why we're reacting in that way. We don't give it any attention or thought. So a key self-management discipline and, and skill, really, is to be fully aware of how we are operating internally. 
And then one final point about the internal self. Um, in a sense, we exist in two worlds, our external world and our internal world. And the point I really want to make here is about dialogue. Uh, we, t we think of, of managing communication as an entirely external uh, issue, how we communicate with others. But actually how we communicate with ourselves internally, the kind of internal t conversation we have with ourselves, is very, very powerful and important. And particularly if we're used to giving ourselves a hard time with our negative self-talk. So the first tip then really, quite a long one, is to remember the difference between our internal and our external selves. Tip number two is the separation, the other pair, between conscious and unconscious. And this is an easier, uh, quicker point to make, really. As I'm chatting away to you now, you're conscious of what I'm saying. You're, you're hearing what I'm saying. You're conscious probably of sitting or driving. You're conscious about what's going on. But a lot of what we do is unconscious. And that's the realm or, or region of habits. We often do things because we've programmed ourselves to do them, to behave in that way. And we don't give it a second thought. So the angle at which you're sitting and how much you're concentrating on driving and how much of your driving is actually by now reflexive and automatic, a habit, is if effectively uh, explains a large part of what we actually do. So a lot of our self is driven by our unconscious behaviours, our habits. And many of those habits, of course, are really helpful. It stops us having to think about what we're doing. And if we had to think about everything we do, we'd be exhausted and we'd make far more mistakes. But it's also worth pointing out that many of the things we do that perhaps aren't the best thing we could do for ourselves or for others are simply the result of habits, of presumptions, ways of thinking, ways of behaving that we've just become used to and don't give any further thought to. So... The point here is about checking what you do unconsciously and seeing if you can bring it more to the conscious state. And if you ever do something or say something that you're quite unhappy with, check back to see where it came from. It could be that it came from an unconscious internal state that lets you behave in that particular unhelpful way. So tip number two, remember that we are an unconscious as well as a conscious self and many of our behaviours and actions are driven by that unconscious state. Tip number three. There are a lot of words <clears throat> that we use that have the word self in front of them. For example, self-confidence, self-motivation, self-esteem, self-discipline. The key word there is self. In other words, to be those things, confident, motivated, in esteem, disciplined, it's down to you. There is no point looking elsewhere or to anybody else to really provide those for you. They have to come from you. It has to be you. So self-management is crucially about ownership. It's not becoming dependent or reliant on others. For example, don't rely on others to build your confidence. Don't rely on others to motivate you. Don't rely on others to give you high esteem. Don't rely on others to drive your discipline. Really powerful, self-managed individuals take ownership of all those self-words. So tip number three is take ownership of everything that begins with self.
Step number four, and something I mentioned in tip one, is the importance of self-awareness. Suppose we do have some unhelpful habits. There is no way we can change those habits unless we're aware of them. So tip number four is a really simple tip, which is work to become more aware of things you do and why you do them. And the two suggestions I have to help you with that are firstly, ask people who you trust, who you can get on well with, to give you feedback, to see if you are doing something unconsciously that's not helpful, that they recognize is unhelpful. And they could give you that feedback. So they help you raise your self-awareness. And the second tip is to watch other people for their reaction to your behavior, to what you say or do. Because if their nonverbal language gives an indication that what you're doing or saying isn't going down well, then that's feedback too, that you might want to reflect on and think, I wonder why they behaved in that way. Was it triggered by something I said or did? So tip number four, work to become more self-aware, particularly if something doesn't go well. And following on from that is tip number five, which is self-control. I've actually had people say to me when I've given them feedback about something that I think personally is unhelpful. They have often said, you know, you're not the first person to tell me that. I know, I know I do that. Yep, yeah, you're right. That's something I, I, I tend to do. And I'm thinking, well, if you know, and you know it's unhelpful, why aren't you doing something about it? And that, of course, is self-control. So there's a nice pair between self-awareness and self-control. You can't control or change a behavior if you're not aware about it, aware of it. But equally, if you're aware of it, that's not enough. You have to do something about it. So tip number five is convert self-awareness into self-control. Tip number six is about another self-word that I didn't mention in the list, which is self-validation. And what I mean by that is be able to assess and credit your own worth. Give yourself a pat on the back. Be fair to yourself as you would be to others. Don't make your way of recognizing worth um, a distortion. Are you somebody who's always good at recognizing other people's strengths, abilities, competence, and yet give yourself a hard time? And are you really being fair? If somebody else did what you did, would you credit them for it? Would you acknowledge them? Would you praise them? Would you value them for it? Because if what you do, you find valuable in others, then you should value yourself for that. That's what I mean by self-validation. Become good at validating what you're good at. Have a balanced view. It's fair enough to recognize things that you could do with improving, but also recognize what you're good at. Because here's the thing, if you don't, if you're not good at self-validation, but really like being validated, you become a little bit dependent on the validation of and from others. And the danger there is that you distort your own behavior to seek that validation. So you become a bit of a validation junkie by always looking for other people to praise you. So you perhaps go out of your way and unnecessarily and unhelpfully to please others in the hope that that will trigger some praise. So be careful not to become dependent on validation, almost like a drug, by seeking it from others because you are not good at giving it to yourself. 
So tip number six is become good at self-validation. Then tip number seven is there a set of issues to do with how you regulate yourself in terms of personal effectiveness. Essentially, this is something we mentioned earlier, taking responsibility for improving your own internal efficiency and effectiveness, time management, personal organization, those sorts of things. Two key points really I'd like to make. Firstly, make sure you take responsibility for what you do. For example, and this was mentioned in my, I think my second podcast, maybe my first, which is stop blaming time for not getting things done. You've got the time you need if you make what needs to be done a priority. Now, blaming time is you letting go of ownership. Taking responsibility for your priorities is taking ownership. So good self-management is about being honest with yourself about what's down to you rather than blaming external circumstances or other people. And that applies to your internal state as well. Uh, this is perhaps quite difficult for me to say, but I want to say it anyway, which is stop blaming other people for how you feel. Um, you own your feelings. And because the point really here is, if you blame others for how you feel, then they, in effect, control how you feel. They dominate how you feel. Um, and if you're in a world of people who you blame for how you feel, then you're going to feel fairly rough most of the time. So they may provoke you in a certain way, but take ownership of how you decide to respond to that provocation. So tip number seven, take ownership for your skills and behaviours and for your way of feeling and how you feel about things. And tip number eight, this is about personal values and drivers. Have a good look at what matters to you in your life as well as at work. What motivates you? What gets you out of bed? What gets you going? What do you feel passionate about? And what justifies who you are, what you do, and how you do it? Because all of us will have these key drivers. Some of us are very conscious of these drivers and know that they're the kind of things we want to drive us forward. Other people have these drivers, but they're still part of their unconscious self. They don't realize that they're being driven by these particular drives or motives or values. So tip number eight, have a really good look at what drives you, what you value, what your motivators are. Tip number nine. What are your personal priorities? This really follows on from the previous tip. In terms of getting your life organized, how you spend your 24 hours, how you spend your typical week, how you spend your year, your life, what are your priorities? And what do you do if you have several priorities and any of them conflict? They don't all move you in the same way or in the same direction you're more likely to be under self-control and happier if you've sorted out your priorities and how they line up. So tip number nine, sort out your personal priorities. And tip number 10 is another set of balances just to finish off of pairs. So here's some other pairs. Who's 
world do you prioritize? Your own or others? Would you regard yourself as essentially selfish, that what you want to do matters, or selfless? You'll always displace your own needs for those of others. Do you live to work, or do you work to live? What's your work-life balance like? And I, I don't like that term. It implies that there's no life in work. It's just work, life outside of work. And I think that's wrong. I think a lot of people, and I, I put my hand up myself for this, really enjoy my work and love it. And I'm really pleased I work as, as I do. So it's life in work and life outside of work as far as I'm concerned. But there is a need to find a balance. Uh, being self-employed and running my own business, I know, particularly in my early days, that I could be 24-7 on work, consumed by work, because there was always, always something to do. Now it's much more balanced, but I had to work hard to find that balance. So, what's your balance between your investment in work and your investment in life? Do you prefer working on your own, own sorry, or prefer working in a group? Would you say you were essentially a proactive person, looking ahead, trying to anticipate and prevent things happening, or reactive, waiting for events to happen which you can then get to grips with? Would you say you were a risk taker, or would you say you were essentially cautious? And your answer to all of these things is, well, it might depend. It depends on who I'm working with, or the circumstances, or my personal drivers. And of course that's true, but it's worth giving them some airtime making sure that they are conscious choices rather than something that you've dropped into an easy habit of. And all of them, in a sense, are relevant and therefore it's about balance between all those pairs. You may be more of one or more of another of those pairs at any time and that's perfectly fair, but make a conscious managed choice about them. So that's it. Those are my top 10 tips for managing yourself. Quick recap. Tip number one, understand the difference between your internal and external self. Tip number two, check the difference between your conscious and your unconscious decision making. Tip number three, take ownership of all the self words, such as self-confidence. Tip number four, develop greater self-awareness. Tip number five, following on from that, develop self-control. Tip number six, Learn to validate yourself. Tip number seven. Become personally effective and take ownership rather than blame. Tip number eight. What are your personal drivers, motivators and values? Tip number nine. What are your personal priorities? And tip number ten. Find an appropriate balance between all those competing pairs such as self v others and proactive v reactive. And that's it for this week. Just to say that if you're interested in the kind of things I'm talking about in, uh, in these podcasts, all of them really about certain management behaviours and skills, I now run a, a monthly open programme where one day a month I run a workshop in Salford uh, giving airtime to some of these topics. If you'd be interested in joining any of these workshops, you'd be very welcome. There are only 10 places available. Uh, and if you'd like details, then please go to www.com. Uh,
etduk.co.uk www.etduk.co.uk and if you'd like further details about any of the courses listed there under the open course program or workshops then just send me an email at arnieskelton at etduk.co.uk so once again bye for now and thanks for listening